church, hey, we've got a pretty good number here. I am so, I'm praising the Lord that all of you made it despite gas prices, right? Hey, by the way, I actually saw a place where you can get gas for $1.50. It's called Taco Bell. All right, there we go. <laughs> Anyways, no, but we praise the Lord. Hey, you know what? We praise the Lord for these things. You're still here. Those things don't keep you at home. You're still here for fellowship. You're still here to, pre to hear the word of God. You're still here because the Lord woke you up and brought you to this place. Can I get an amen? amen? With that said, my friends, can you bow your heads with me as we open up the word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a beautiful Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, that today is a day of rejoicing. We thank you for the people that have committed their lives to you. We pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit will now fill this church and fill all of our hearts as we open up your word. We thank you. We love you. And I pray, Father God, that you can uh, use me as your vessel, Father, for I am nothing without you. And I know, Father, that the message that you have for us today is one that can only be delivered if the Holy Spirit is present. So that's what we're asking for. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be with this servant. We pray that the Holy Spirit can open up our hearts so that it's not so much me speaking, but you speaking into our hearts. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say Praise the Lord. So I want you guys to now open your Bibles. If you can open your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel. Book of Ezekiel, we're going to go to chapter 3. And remember, if we know the story of Ezekiel, Ezekiel the priest. And Ezekiel was one that was definitely always after God's heart and doing God's will, but in Verse in, in chapter 3, God called him specifically to be something that maybe he hasn't been called to do before. So we're going to start in verse 3.16. Ezekiel 3.16. When you're there, I know we have it on the screen, but when you're there, just say praise the Lord. So it says, the word of God says, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man... I have made you a what? A watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Now, if you go to Jerusalem, guys, if you go to those, uh, you know, if, if, if you go to the hills of Jerusalem, you know, the watchman is actually going into the watchtower and he is kind of responsible to kind of see the, you know, to oversee the whole village. And the watchman is there making sure that the people don't go astray. We're going to mainly focus on verse 18 because this is where they, it gets really good. Verse 18 and verse 19, and it says, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Strong words, don't you think? Wait, hold on. You mean to say, Lord, that if I don't say something to the wicked, it's on me? Hmm. It 
continues, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. See, there are four main ideas, focusing mainly on verse 18. There are four main ideas here. Number one, the Lord has a message, has a message for all of us, an evangelistic message, a message of repentance. Number two, it is being directed to somebody specifically. Number three, the message itself. And number four, what is the purpose of the message? So if we can put Ezekiel 3.18 just in the screen real quick, but then we want to go back and look at it. Ezekiel 3.18, it says, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely what? You shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to the warned, the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Number one, a basic reminder, where does the message come from? Where does the message from, that come from? You know, the first words that we see on the screen, when who says? When I say, this is God speaking. See, when I say, is God talking? We remember, we have to be reminded, we are the instrument. The message comes from the word of God. It doesn't come out of any one of us. It doesn't come out of the human's mind or heart. Preaching and witnessing exist because the word of God exists. And I want you to think about this. Would we do any preaching and witnessing if the word of God did not exist? Absolutely not. There would be no reason to keep going. There would be no reason to preach a, uh, I should say, a message that is even worthy to be preached. And so God reminds us over here, when I say, when I say, see, the word of God is more powerful than what we give it credit. Because when there was no heaven or on earth, when there was no heaven or earth, by the word of God, everything came into existence. The Lord said, let it be. And it came into existence. When Jesus came into this earth, he saw Lazarus in a state of decomposition. And the word of Jesus said, come forth. And Lazarus resurrected. Jesus also found a man that was paralytic for 38 years. He said unto him, get up and take your mat. And he did so. So when we speak the word of God and we witness, my friends, spiritual paralytics will rise. Spiritual cadavers will resurrect. Spiritual voids will be filled. The power of the word does not depend on human arguments, the eloquence of the preacher, or human technique. It depends on the word of God because it is when he says, when I say. That's why God, that's why God says, when I say unto the wicked, it is he that is talking and we are the instrument. When you look back, you've heard the story of Lazarus many, many times. We're not, we're not going to get into that. If you remember the story of that, you don't need to put it on the screen either. If you remember the story of Lazarus, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Jesus', you know, just, you know, obviously he was his homie. And when Lazarus passed, you all remember that he was dead for how many days? He was dead for four days. He took his time. Remember, God's timing, number one, is not ours. So when Lazarus was in a state already of decomposition, remember, in Jewish tradition, how many days, do you guys remember how many days did it take for a body to decompose officially? It was three. So Jesus waited an extra day. 
So then he goes, right? And finally, you know, uh, and, and, if I, and the interaction between Jesus and the disciples is so funny because, you know, Jesus, when he says, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, and then finally the disciples say, well, if he sleeps, then you're going to go wake him up, right? And then Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And then finally, he gets there after four days. Mary and Martha are crying up a storm. And then finally, Jesus says God's glory is going to be, you know, is going to be definitely shown. And so when the stone was moved, what does Jesus say? He says very boldly, very, um, I would say probably very loud. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus resurrects. But I think that the issue here is that there were other cadavers inside that tomb. So Jesus called one name specifically. He called who? He called Lazarus. Because if he would have said, come forth, what would have happened? All of them. But here's what's happening. See, every single one of you is being called by name. Because see, Guys, let's be real and let's be honest with each other. COVID kind of killed us. COVID killed our in-gatherings. COVID killed our social lives. COVID killed some families, figuratively and literally. But it's now been, actually, it's funny, Around this time, two years ago, we were closing the church for COVID. And guess what? You are still here. And we praise the Lord. But now the Lord is saying, you need to come forth. And he's calling you by name. He is saying, Art, come forth. Crystal, come forth. Sandy, come forth. Zilia, come forth. Every single one of you. And the most beautiful part is, is that he calls you by name. Can you just imagine, can you just imagine, and I have a video for you, what it feels like when somebody calls you by name? What it feels like when somebody calls you by your first name and maybe, you know, your middle name and then your last name and somebody actually does not forget your name. See, being called by your name is something so special. God calls you by your name. And I have to tell you something. Recently, recently, do we have the video ready? Recently, something happened that I wanted to share with you that filled my heart. Somebody called me by my name. Can we roll the footage, please? Because this is something that makes somebody like me filled with joy. Let's watch. This is my son. Sorry. If you were ever in those shoes, you know how special that is. Just imagine when God is calling you 
by your name. And he's saying, come forth, because the word of God is that powerful. Because the word of God continues to work in our lives. Remember, God says, when I say, when I say. So we have the message. Who is it now? Number two, who is it being directed to? Who is the word being directed to? When now, well, what does Ezekiel say? Yeah, it's, it's directed to us, but specifically, Ezekiel gets a specific uh, word to describe the people that he's preaching to. It says, when I say to who? To the wicked. Hey, poor Charlotte, who's the wicked here? Is the pastor wicked? Yes. And it's funny, I heard kids say yes, and they are correct. Are we the wicked ones? I think the wicked ones are simply the ones that are taking a breath right now. We preach to the wicked in here, ourselves, and then out there. So we need to ask ourselves, if this is who we're trying to reach, how does the wicked think? Or how should we think? What, is, what are we looking for? How does he or she feel? Motivation. How can I preach to them if I don't know what they think? Let me ask you a question. And I might ruffle some feathers with this question, okay? And, uh, you know, I might get different responses, and that's okay. You know, we're here, we're, we're a community over here that, you know, if we don't uh, agree with the, what the pastor says, we simply just pray for you, okay? But what I'm trying to say is, is that we all have different points of views, and I get it. But there's different things. But let me ask you a question, and I do not mean to ruffle feathers. Okay, I'm going to stop now. Too many warnings. But are the people today still interested in prophecy? Okay. See, I get yeses and nos. And technically, you're both are correct. What we need to understand is that there are some that are, and there are some that aren't. Is that okay? There are some that when we think of prophecy, we think things like, oh, the end is near. Jesus is coming soon. And we believe that. I believe that with all of my heart, by the way. And I want to be ready because we have a message. But we need to understand that not everything is found, not every answer is necessarily found in prophecy. What do I mean by that? I remember when I was in Alabama, I had uh, one, of my, one of the elders in a church, we were in camp meeting. He was a 65-year-old man that had, about, had, had a 12-year-old daughter. And the 12-year-old daughter, she unfortunately would attend the meetings but then right after the meetings, she would harm herself. Very sad ordeal. When I tried to talk to the dad about it, you know, obviously he was torn. He was uh, upset about it. But he said, you know what? I know that the answer to this for my daughter's problems are found in prophecy. And I said, no, they're not. Your daughter needs help. 
Your daughter needs something else than just a prophetic message. You understand what I'm trying to say here? And the problem is, is that we think that all the answers are there. God says that we need to go to the individual and see what specific needs that they have. See, there was a time in history of our church when the Adventist movement, which was born in the 1800s, and in this time, about 90% of Americans were evangelicals. So they knew things like grace. They were learning things about righteousness by faith, but they didn't know prophecy. And so out comes the Seventh-day Adventist church, born out of prophecy, preaching prophecy, and therefore the people were very attracted to prophecy. But let's ask ourselves this question, and I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me, because I am not saying that there is no room for prophecy. But what I am trying to ask is, is that the same today in America? If we continue to preach the way that our pioneers were preaching, are they going to listen to us? How many of you here like to go fishing? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. I, uh, I don't know why, but I will, you know, it's okay. But I have been fishing before. You know, it's not bad. I'm kidding. You know, I'm, I like to tease everybody here. When you go fishing, what do you put on the hook in order to catch fish? You put bait. Give me more specific bait. Okay, the most common one is worms, right? Okay. What, no, what is the common one? I don't know. I, I have no idea about fishing. What is the most common bait for fishing? Shrimp? What can we agree? Is it shrimp? Okay. Can we, okay, can we stick to one answer? Please, seriously. Like, just give me one answer. Shrimp? All right, let's stick with shrimp. Let's stick with worms. That's the main one. Uh, uh, it's not peanut butter, is it? No, that's for rats. My bad. I'm sorry. Okay. So you put that because the fish are attracted to that. What if instead of, 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 you know, of, of putting a shrimp or worm or whatever bait you think is best, you put a, a little bit of a Godiva chocolate? Will the fish eat that? No, they won't, Maria. No. They will not eat that. Because fish are not attracted to that kind of stuff. It's a very simple mindset. It's a very simple, you see where the needs are, and therefore you go and you meet that need. It is very simple. And by the way, by the way, just something to keep in mind, because we are going out there, we're also coming in here, because at the end of the day, one of the things that keeps us going is meeting together, gathering together, and I'm, just, just, I'm not just saying just here in church, we need to gather together in homes, in socials, et cetera, et cetera. There's different groups that are around us that we have done for your benefit. Now, here's a truth, here's a reality, because... We here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in the Port Charlotte Seventh-day Adventist Church, you are either a missionary or you're a mission field. Do you hear what I said? You are either a missionary or you're a mission field. And you know what's interesting? I'm not saying that the missionary has it all together, but the missionary, the more mission-minded that he is, the less of a mission field he becomes. Are you a mission field in that everybody has to manage you? Are you a mission field in that everybody has to wait to see how you're going to react? 
Are they scared of you? Or are you out there doing what the Lord wants you to do? See, every human being in this world is moved to necessity. Just like gas makes a car go, necessities make the human go. And so when we are preaching the word of God, we're doing the best that we can to satisfy the needs of the individual as much as we can. Because we have people with family problems, financial problems, and they only open their mind when it is said and fulfills their necessity, and the Bible is the answer for that necessity. So let me ask you a question. Do you know how to use the Word of God to meet other people's needs? In gatherings, outreach, however it is. You're a missionary where you work. You're a missionary at home. Can I get an amen? Sometimes our homes are not safe places, are they? And Lord, have mercy on our souls. But we try and we keep going. We try and we keep going. We have to understand that the human being is mind, body, and spirit, and we have to reach them there so that we are able to connect. You can just picture basketball, something as simple as basketball. We have on this side the, see if I can get in trouble, Los Angeles Lakers. Nobody? Okay. Where LeBron James plays? Nobody? Okay, that's fine. And then we have on this side the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and the rest of the gang. Nobody? Okay, fine. Both teams you don't care about, right? But imagine, just imagine this scenario. A good final basketball game, there is one second left in the clock. And then all of a sudden, LeBron James is about to hit it is about to throw it, and then Steph Curry slaps it out. Somebody slap, you know, gets it back to him, and then Steph Curry goes, and he goes, Phew! and then you see the ball almost in slow motion. Dun, 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 dun. And then you see it hit the, what is that called? Thank you very much. You hit, it, hit the board, and then it spins in the basket, and it goes, and it rolls, and it rolls, and it rolls. And the buzzer is already there, and it keeps rolling and rolling. Do I have your attention, by the way? <laughs> See, I'm not even going to finish that, you know, because the thing about it is that something as simple as basketball that captures your attention, something so, dare I call it foolish, but not really, because nobody calls my sport foolish, as something as basketball, you put your mind, body, and heart, why can't we do that? when it comes to gathering, when it comes to witnessing. So what is the main message? Number one, we said where the message comes from. Number two, who is it preached to? Number three, what is the message? Ezekiel 3.18, guys, when I say to the wicked, the message is, you shall surely what? You shall surely die. Oh, man, that's not a really encouraging message. But you need to understand that Jesus is the life and when we separate ourselves from Christ, he separates himself, from, we separate ourselves from life and come into death territory. And it might not be an instantaneous death, but a slow death, dying day by day. 
Family dies, finances die, virtues die, dreams and the purposes of life dies, and there comes a point when they want to end their life, all because of that separation. But now comes God and takes the Christian and he tells you, tell the wicked to come back. I don't want him to die. I want him to live. You call him and you bring him. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, and it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, by exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And in doing this, my friends, you will probably have challenges. Let me ask you a question. Do you think being a pastor is a simple job? You know, there are people that do think that, oh, pastor, all you do is work one day a week. Right. And you don't understand that how being a pastor can actually be sometimes taxating and draining. Because what we like to do as far as, our, you know, as, far as the pastors go and as far as also, you know, with the help of our staff, which, by the way, we have a wonderful staff here. You know, and I think Sandy and I think LaDonna, I think Diane, I think Lynn, I think Pastor Dustin, I think Pastor Art, I think Wave. Every single one of us, we do the best that we can. We still get complaints. Pastors get complaints all the time. You know why? Because when we, when we serve the Lord... We're going to get criticized, and it comes with the territory. When you are going to serve the Lord, you're going to get criticized because it comes with the territory. Remember, blessings and curses come together. How does a pastor face criticism? I have faced criticism in every way possible. And to be quite honest with you, that is one of the things that gets kind of kept me from growing in ministry. But we realize that we're never, able, we're never able to please everyone, and you will never be good enough. Just as a pastor, hear, hear me out. If the pastor is young, he lacks experience. If the pastor's hair is gray, then they're too old. If the pastor has four kids, that's too much. But if the pastor has no children, he's not setting the right example. If the pastor is a woman, then the pastor's not a man. And if the pastor preaches from his notes, they must be canned sermons. If the pastor speaks without preparation, the pastor's not deep. Too many illustrations, he neglects the word. If he doesn't use enough stories, the pastor's boring and not clear. If he uses too much Ellen White, he's legalistic. If he doesn't use enough Ellen White, he's not Adventist enough. If he claps his hands, he's liberal. If he just sings, too, if he just sings hymns, he's way too conservative. If he condemns wrong, he's a legalist. If he doesn't preach against sin, he's a compromiser. If he fails to please everyone, he's hurting the church. If he pleases everyone, he has no conviction. If he drives an old car, he shames his congregation. If he drives a new car, he sets his affections on the things of the earth. If he preaches all the time, people get tired of hearing the same preacher. And he invites guest speakers, he's not doing his job. If he speaks politics on social media, too controversial. But if he posts nothing at all, he doesn't stand up for anything. We will never be good enough. We will never be talented enough. We will never be righteous enough. We will never be holy enough. But you know what? God is telling you today, you keep going regardless. Because God says, and I thank Pastor Bird for this one, God says that when you serve the Lord, when you are honestly wanting to do God's will, 
it's like an open door. It's an open door. How many of you live in Florida for quite some time now? You know what happens at nighttime, right? You go outside the porch and you turn on the light. Your light attracts what? It attracts bugs. And when your light is shining, you're going to attract bugs. Guess what? You keep going. You say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this. You say, yes, Lord, I can do this. You say, Lord, only with your help I'm able to do this. And God says, thank you because I don't care what people think of you. You care what I think of you. And then let me deal with them. And you will make mistakes. Yes, you will. You will make mistakes. People will still see your flaws. But still, you keep moving forward. The message when I say, it's being preached to the wicked. We are the wicked. The message is you shall surely die. And number four, you give him no warning. What is the message for? You know, the word is to speak. It comes from the Hebrew, sahar. And it gives the connotation that you're looking at another person, calling them, warning them, begging them, crying with them, putting your heart into it because the person is dying. Revelation twenty two seventeen, it says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It's not just the work of the spirit, but it's also the work of the church. Jesus says, When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So this morning, church, I'm here to tell you, you keep going. You keep worshiping God. You keep asking for God's will in your life. You also keep asking for God's will in what you need to do because here's the deal. All of you, every single one of you, I don't know what our attendance is today, every single one of you is called to do something. And just to give you a breather, you are not called to do everything. Whew. But you are called to do something. What are you doing? Maybe you want to serve the church with the finances. Maybe you have leadership skills. Maybe you have a compassionate heart. Maybe you have different, you know, different talents. The Lord has given every single us, every single one of us talents to use. And if you remember the parable, if you don't use your talent and you bury it, the Lord takes it away. And above all else, whatever ministry that we do, and I'm going to talk about that next week, whatever ministry that we do, let the Lord say and that you are the called, the chosen one. And everything that you are doing, may it encompass who God is with kindness. Let me emphasize kindness. Because remember, we cannot worship God and be unkind to his people. Kindness. 
gentleness, self-control. Need, need I say more of the fruits of the Spirit? God is calling us to be all of those. But first, he says, come to me, come forth, because I want you to live. God says, I am with you. God says, I will be with you, even unto the ends of the earth.